Stephen Chester Prince, director, writer, and producer of a little flick that we've been chatting about called DivineAccessMovie.com. Oh, sorry, it's called Divine Access. The website is DivineAccessMovie.com. And Canadians can watch Divine Access on iTunes, Sony PlayStation, Google Play, YouTube, Movies, and Hoopla. And uh, Stephen, I think, could be still on the phone with us. Stephen, have we chased you away yet? Yeah, I'm, I'm still here. And you can call me Steve. It's uh, Stephen Chester Prince. is one of the carryovers, holdovers from being in the SAG Union where you had to uh, separate yourself from other people with the same name. So yes. please, uh, Steve Prince. All right, S-Dog on the line with us yep. right now. <laughs> And then uh, some guy just wandered in. He just wandered in. With a kid. With a kid. Johnny Wonder. Come on. Seriously? Johnny Wonder? For real. Scooch into that little mark there. Yeah, it's real. Johnny it's real Wonder. But it's W-U-N-D-R, which is what, German or something? Sure. As far as I know, my I have uh, a Guatemalan mother, and my dad is John Wonder, and my sister is Michelle Wonder. I'm just giving away all my family information. But yeah. They're, they're just <laughs> normal, straight-up white people from Seattle with the last name of Wonder. I guess it'd be worse to be your sister because she'd be a Wonder Woman. Theoretically, yeah. yeah. I don't think she really cared. She <laughs> No. She wanted out of the house at 17, yeah. so she wasn't working. <laughs> wow. wow. Yeah, actually, what's funny is uh, Johnny was a male dancer, and his stripper name was Earl Jones, <laughs> which I what? I thought was weird. I thought, it was I thought we weren't talking thing. about that. <laughs> uh, Could what? you all spin and your clothes would change? What? Oh, like Wonder Woman? <laughs> yeah. Really? Yeah. Well, you were going for cheap. Yeah, you so just you went too far. Right. Divine Access is equal parts comedy and drama. Drama. Set in the South, it's a road movie, a buddy picture, and often sweet, thought-provoking story of redemption. Uh, Jack Harriman, Billy Burke, has seen it all. And you'll see a lot of all in the first few minutes of the movie. <laughs> Keenly aware of Jack's penchant for discrediting religious zealots, Jack is asked to join a cable access television show produced by his friend Bob McCord, otherwise uh, known as Mr. Putty. Putty from Seinfeld, Patrick Warburton. He also does voice on Family Guy, right? Doesn't he do oh, the, yeah. the wheelchair guy or yeah, whatever? Yeah. And he played the original, um, was it Ant-Man? Oh, blue, that blue ant character? He, yeah, yes, but he's most The Tick, famous. that's it. Yeah. yeah, okay. Let's stop talking about him. Yeah. After humiliating the current host of the show, Reverend the Reverend Guy Roy Davis, played by Gary Cole. Who's that? Tim the Tool. Gary Cole, who is he? I recognize his face. Not Gary Coleman. I know it's not Gary Coleman. Gary Cole. Oh, he was the dad of um, um, oh, driving the car, Talladega Nights. Are you having a stroke? No, I'm not. I'm just trying to remember, and I can't remember all my names. Okay. Uh, to Johnny Wonder for 500. He's Johnny Lumberg from Office Space. Okay. Hello, I never. Peter. I never. I didn't watch Office Space. Okay. But he was. He was. He was the dad in Talladega Nights. Ricky Bobby's. He's Ricky Bobby's dad who had the Panther in his car. See, go. I told you, driving with the tiger in the back. Okay, we don't want any credit to go to Tim for knowing <laughs> stuff. Anyway, let's get back to this. After humiliating the current host of the show, the Reverend Guy Roy Davis, uh, Gary Cole, Jack's popularity turns him into a spiritual celebrity, and he takes to the road on a multi-city speaking tour, accompanied by Nigel, a self-proclaimed catcher. Do, uh, do you know what that is, Tim? A catcher? Um, Not in the other ride. than baseball? No. Yeah. No. Uh, go, think happy clappies. Oh, he gets the money from people? No. Oh, when they fall back yes. and they're slain in the spirit. Thank you very much. When, uh, what's his name, um, with the jacket flicks in your face. Yes, and Benny Hinn. Yes. Along <laughs> the way, Jack and Nigel are joined by Amber, 
Dora Madison, a down-on-her-luck call girl, and Marion. Sarah, is it Shahi? How do you say your last name? How do you say your net last name, Prince? Shahi. Shahi. Yeah, yeah. Um, Billy uh, said that earlier. I, and I think I referred to her as the hot one who keeps appearing and disappearing. In his, in his memory and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Probably your bio is better. An enigmatic beauty who challenges Jack's beliefs and questions whether he has some deeper calling. Forces both natural and supernatural lead Jack on a journey to discover his own spiritual truth, culminating in a final showdown with Guy Roy. Ultimately, Divine Access is a story of family, friendship, and faith. DivineAccessMovie.com Guys, I've had the hardest time describing this movie to people. So, Johnny... You've done this a million times. How do you do it? How do you get people to bite? It's funny. The The description that you just read is not the movie that I've seen 20 times. Like, it's my, mine neither. Mine neither. What am I not? For me, the easiest way to explain the movie is a guy that, uh, for people that would understand this, but somebody that's been over-spiritualized growing up, their moms, their fathers went from camp to camp to camp to camp. You know, they're fixers. They're, they're, they're spirit fixers kind of thing. And, and they got over-inundated with information, and now they are on – Parole from time served from over spiritualized, uh, <laughs> over veganed, over you know, over everything, and that is sort of Billy Burke's character is sort of what you are left with, which is something that's past jaded, past bitter, just a human being surviving, and he's so bare bones minimum in my opinion that um, he is able to tell the truth, and the truth seems clever to everybody because nobody talks that way and nobody <laughs> lives their life that way. And he doesn't uh, – he's got no people-pleasing in him. He's not a people-pleaser <laughs> at all. And that's just like – it's for me, it's a character study of a guy that is okay with the world hating him, is okay with the world loving him. He just is who he is, and, and he roams the earth and tells his story. Uh, Steve, how did Johnny do? Uh, yeah, I think, I think Johnny's entitled to uh, – as everybody is. Uh, the thing with this film is, as you described, is – it's uh, it's different for everybody. Almost like the message that's coming out is is uh, it's given importance by the people that hear it. The film itself, uh, purposefully, is open to interpretation, and I like Johnny a lot. And I also like the fact that Johnny loves the film and has been thoughtful in the way that he's talked about it. And I'm sure that it's different for other people. Uh, but I think that's I think that's a, a pretty good. I think he's got it pretty well covered. So here's here's the interesting parallel. Not to sound even more narcissistic than I am hosting the Drew Marshall show, but I was asked to appear on Canada's National God Show, uh, I don't know, 10 years ago? Would it be 10 years ago or something? I don't know, I can't remember. Uh, before they had cameras, even. Shut up. It, it's called 100 Huntley Street. And I think I am... You're already not showing off. <laughs> no. <laughs> wow. Wow. Um, I think I embarrassed them. I think I did. Yes, I th- you, know, you did. Well, because I, you know, I mean, I said stuff like I'm not into cheesy Christian television because you still have straight guys designing your sets. First of all, <laughs> nice. And um. then, and then I said something like, you know, why is it always good-looking people on television talking about Jesus? Where are the ugly people? And I called them the Canon Barbie of Christian television. The hosts <laughs> that were interviewing me, and I didn't mean to embarrass them. I really didn't. I was just. I was just answering things and talking about how I feel about this whole phenomena known as God TV, right? But then people started thinking I was like this refreshing change. Mm. And uh, to what they were sort of used to on the show, because I, and I think, uh, really, it's, I'm not a smart dude. I'm not smart, no, Jenny. you're not. Um, but I was just speaking plainly and authentically, I think. And so that's what I, like, when I watched this movie, I went, 
whoa, that sort of weirdness happened to me. I totally get this. Mm-hmm. It's about the refreshing um, uh, um, uh, uh, authenticity of the main character in this movie, and that's why people follow him. Mm-hmm. Period. I think it, I think it's you know if I could chime in here, I, I think it's um, it's this whole idea. That we've come up with, and I mean, that's even you know North America or whatever you want, or Western Western culture, that our messengers have to be lily white, and our leaders have to be lily white, and everything's got to make it has to make sense. And you know, being a, a man at forty years old that's made a ton of mistakes for me, the messenger doesn't have to be as long as the message is something that I can grab onto. I don't care what the messenger says; it could come out of anybody's mouth. But if mm-hmm. the message is right for me. Mm-hmm. Then I can get on board, and that's the interesting thing about his character is he's refreshing because he's so human. Like he's not, oh wow, this is coming out of the mouth that's of a guy that's not driving around in a BMW, doesn't have eight twenty credit. He's, you know, he's just a guy that lives in a shack uh, next to the water. And how can this be? This is so crazy. But it's because we think that the the messengers have to be an archetype, and they don't. And they don't. And they don't. Yeah. And some of the greatest messages ever have come out of the ugliest mouths you can ever think of but that's just that's just how it is and um i i I pride myself on being in that category yeah (laughs) um steve what is like what was your what was your drive i mean i billy burke just said this was your your life or your story i guess is that was that it Or, or or was there more than it's just this is my story um, yeah, you know, the, anytime you, you start from a place of connection when, you, when you're trying to tell a story, at least I do. And, and so the, the story was real. The opening montage was real. That was my life. Uh, what, what wasn't real was any animosity I had towards my mother. Because, you know, we were just her and me. The, the other kids had gone off and my father and, and she had split. So it was just her and me trying to figure stuff out together. I was you know, 11, 12, 13, and, you know, complicated boy years. And then my wife, I mean, my mother was also trying to figure her way starting over. So we sort of did it together. So I had, there was no resentment because uh, uh, Jack is sort of fueled by a bit of a resentment. Um, and so his arc in the story is not just that he's telling the truth, but it's what he has to figure out is, is he telling the truth for a reason? Does he have, is he, does he have any compassion for the people that he's sharing this with, or is it specifically a way for him to sort of chill off and do his own thing? And mm. what are his motivations? Because mm. that's sort of my, a longer conversation is about the fact that actions speak louder than beliefs. And so believe whatever you want, but uh, if, you're, if your actions are informed by that belief and those actions are philanthropic of nature and, and helpful or at the very least benign towards harming anyone else, then I think you've served your belief well. So the question is, and a little bit, and maybe uh, maybe slightly conflicting with Johnny said. I think his, his uh, what people see in him were things that they wanted to see—a simple message that they wanted to see and and hear. But at the same time, Jack had to find his own path to to really find out what type of man he was, or was he just throwing these clever things out there uh, in a self-serving manner? Uh, so that's that's sort of the arc within the arc. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for me. Uh, there was a there's a, a line in the sand that I had to make the the film completely just entertaining and, and sort of telling the story I wanted to tell. So I created the animosity between uh, the woman that played my mother and then Jack, which is because there was none between my mother and I. We were close to the day she died. So it um, that's when I started coming up with ideas. I'd been around. I'd done a local access 
TV show in Austin, a comedy show back in the very, very early days. So I knew that space. I'd seen uh, cable televangelists going on, talking in tongues and other things that I found to be a little bit sort of uh, laughable. And and uh, just sort of the pageantry around it and the, and the, and the, the unbelievable elements of these local pastors spreading the word in sort of a in sort of a fantastical way instead of something that I thought might be helpful, and and then the rest of them, you know, I have a great writing partner uh, helped uh, a guy named Michael Zacks who actually played sort of the Lazarus character, who played the uh, the um, the uh, the guy that chokes on the hot dog. Uh, he wrote, he created Guy Roy, he created the catcher, two of the most important characters, and so uh, the film sort of the the script sort of took us down a road to what it was. Um, and it took me a long time to get it up. We wrote the script maybe 10, 15 years ago, and then it, by the time we decided to make it, we had to add cell phones and do all that sort of stuff. But uh, I'm a little, it's a little bit of a meandering answer, but the, the question is, I, didn't really have, I wanted to tell an entertaining story based on something that I knew well, and then I partnered well enough to where it became bigger than that. Okay, um, sorry, who who are we talking to? Who's that again? <laughs> Steve. Steve, what? Okay. I don't know how to ask this without sounding like... I'm sure you've been asked this before, and I know it's not going to come across smooth, unlike the rest of the show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> why Why am I just hearing about this now? Why did it not get bigger distribution? Is it a money thing, or is there a was there any balking at the content of this movie? Well, I think you hit it on the head when you said you didn't know how to describe this to people. I think, um, because there was no, the, because it, it's a diminished return on a film that's this small. I mean, we laughed about. It. I just did a panel at the Twin Cities Film Festival, and someone asked me about that film, and I said, "I managed to do an R-rated, safe-friendly film, which means I made it for no one." Um, and uh, an and R-rated, safe-family film. Nice. Yeah. So it's a, so it, it's a religious satire, which means it's not going to travel foreign because. The nuance won't travel. Yep. That's just the world that we live in. Yep, yep. And then domestically, I had great. I had a really, really wonderful cast, and I would argue that every character in there, every performance was wonderful. There wasn't a single performance that I said, "Wow, I wish I could have had a different person." Hmm. But they were all wonderful, well-known actors. But none of them, in of themselves, can create guaranteed market for the film because there's just not that many actors out there that can do that. And so we just, we didn't, uh, we weren't a sweetheart at the festivals. I think that was born of the fact that I had so many actors and with notoriety that I just sort of placed myself out of Sundance and some of those, and maybe just didn't like it, but I know from experience, either you're a sweetheart or you're a big star, and I, I was in the middle. I had great stars that were recognizable. It sort of made it feel like it wasn't fair against some of the, the more, you know, avant-garde, no-name type stuff. So I was really in a, in a no-man's land. Uh, so we just had trouble getting the word out. You know, and the response has been great. You know, I've, the Q and A's at the festivals, everyone seemed to love the film. But it's just marketing, man, and it's about who's going to put up money to get behind because you got to make that money back. Yeah. Uh, and it was just it was just too risky, I think. And yeah. So, uh, it's a shame. I think it's I think it's a good little film. Well, this is uh, Tim. You just heard what he said there. Yeah. Can you can you see how I would <laughs> relate to this in such a huge way? Because for me, doing the kind of show that I'm doing in the Jesus world. Uh, in the in the faith based world, you know, it try getting an advertising partner. You know, I'm yeah. too, I'm too Jesusy for normal people, and I'm too normal for Jesusy people. That's yeah. been my dilemma for 15 years. They haven't known where to place me. It's kind of like Eva Cassidy's uh, record career. That you know, the the A and R people didn't know what to do with her. They didn't know where to fit her. And I, that sounds like I'm 
sort of doing you know a little pat on the back toot toot thing about about me or this show, but I I think the reality is when was the last time you had a guy with a with a microphone on a on a you know faith based station saying I don't know if there's a God. I mean, when I first came out on air and said that, I didn't know if I was going to have a yeah. job. Well, I remember you talking about that when you did L- it. Let alone interviewing the high priest of the Church of Satan, or yeah. let alone interviewing the leader of Canada's polygamous calling. You know, it's like, what are you doing? Or Fred Phelps, by the way. Speaking of Fred Phelps, Steve, have you chased down the Fred Phelps scenario? Is there anything? Has that, has that been mined out too much already? I have no idea who that is. Fred Phelps is oh, the... No, it has No. Been. <laughs> <laughs> Fred Phelps is the uh, patriarch of Canada, or of uh, America's most hated family. They're the, they're the organization behind GodHatesFags.com. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. Okay. yeah. Uh, now that it's in context. Well, I mean, I don't, I don't listen to that noise. I find that to be the vocal minority. I think it's a talking point and a distraction yep. from the changes that are more nuanced, that are really damaging the planet and really putting us at odds with each other. I think that guy... Is, is the rough the ruffling of the pocket while they pull the rabbit out of the other hat? So I don't I don't worry about people like that because he, there is there isn't a lot of power behind that guy other than the media pushing it while we miss what's really going on. Really so, well um, said. Really well said. Yeah. Um, okay. So what flavor is going to be left with people at the end of this movie when it comes to? leaning into the possibility of there being a God or leaning into the possibility of something bigger or greater than us? Is it going to leave people with more of a Bill Maher religious, you know, big finger to the sky kind of, or middle finger to the sky kind of thing? Or is it going to leave people, you know, insatiate? Like, are they going to be thirsty? Are they going to be wanting to dig into, oh, maybe there is more. Maybe there. So, Johnny, I'll go with you on that one yeah, first. I'll speak for, I mean, I think it's it's kind of, a little bit of both. I mean, I, I don't think the intent of, of Steve and Billy and those guys making this movie was to inspire people to go read a Bible. I don't think that was the, no. that was the, the tack. But I, I think what it does is at the end of the movie when you leave, it's kind of like that was a, a very heavy issue, politics, religion, you know, all that stuff. But it was a very heavy issue and very heavy points of view. And I feel a little bit lighter about how I feel about God. Like, you know, it's, 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 it almost makes you feel in that moment. It's okay to kind of think whatever I want to think in that moment. Cause you don't get a lot of that in, in media. Usually it's like Satan, 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 or Jesus, 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 or <laughs> politics. It's like, right. there's no in between. And I always compare, I always kind of compare it to, to like, if you look at the big studio Marvel of Avenger movies, and Steve's heard me say this today, the stakes in religion of what people like the hotbed of the religion topic about the God is he or not is they can't get any higher than they are right now. It's like watching the Avengers or any Marvel movie. The stakes are high, highest at every movie. It's either they do their job or everybody dies. Like that's, that's it. Every movie. It's like we win or we're dead. The world's going to blow up. Right, yep. right. And I think this movie, what it does for me is it's a, it's a little bit of respite. Like we just talked about God. We just saw a guy go through a spiritual journey and I'm not at level 12 going, oh, my God, I really got to buck up on my, on my prayers here. And I got to go back to, to the temple. I got to do this. I got to do that. It's like, oh, wow. Like, okay. Like, there is a story out there about a guy that just kind of casually figuring it out on his own. And it doesn't have to be blonde hair, blue eyed Jesus. It could be on Wednesday, but it's okay if on Sunday it's, you know, some other dude. Yeah. Um, I think that's refreshing because – at the end of the day, the whole story is getting run through a human computer, and it's obviously flawed. Anything that's coming out of a human being's mouth, in my opinion, sure, it's flawed. It's flawed. It's yeah. flawed. So, uh, so that's what it does. That's a long-winded answer. But for me, when I watch the movie, it's like just a little five, ten minute. I just saw a spiritual something spiritually based, and I don't 
I'm not judging myself yeah. for it. Yeah, I yeah. laughed, I cried, I did this, did that, and um, it's okay if I think weird today. Yeah. Awesome tomorrow. I don't know. Right. <laughs> so interesting. Yeah. You guys are both really bizarre wordsmiths. Uh, Steve, is there... Again, I... Did you want people leaving the movie with something, or are you going to give us the whole, well, people leave with whatever they want thing? Uh, well, first off, the reason it's not religious is because, you know, he took, he had a clear stated agenda, agenda. and then he went after fringe people to prove his point. Yep. Now, I, li- I like the movie, and, I, and I'm okay with Mar, but I find it's a little bit one note, it's a little bit, um, I, it's much easier to just dismiss and, and not live in the middle where we all live. I think it's not as interesting to just sort of deal with people that are open to all different ideas, so it's an underserved sort of audience. Mm. I think to your point, if you wanted to make your your show more uh, more popular, you would do something that would, that would be terrible, which would be more controversial and, and draw more defined lines in the sand, and then you'd probably have more viewers, and, but I certainly wouldn't be one of them. No. Um, uh, so I think, I think it, it's easy to... You know, to rattle, uh, and that seems, even on sports shows these days, everyone just gets up, two guys who never played sports argue for 30 minutes, and it's supposed to be uh, interesting. So I find that to be easy. Um, uh, what we tried to do at Divine was much more difficult in that we're living in a, you know, it's more of a human story. Um, now, there is a really defined sort of Christ allegory with regard to what would it have been like if some guy was just trying to live his life and he came across some really important stuff, and everyone else thought it was so amazing that he became a problem to the powers that be and they killed him. So it's like it's like when someone, you say something mildly uh, offensive and everyone else goes, oh, you got him, and then you get punched in the face for something that was somewhat benign. Yep. So, you know, so from that time, there, it's not lost on me. It's intentional that, you know, the, the catcher is is clearly all of the, all the apostles, apostles, basically. That's why the book, and I'm not going to give away too much, but there is something in there about what must it be like for everyone else to take what is a simple message and blow it out of proportion to the point that where you might find yourself in harm's way for just sort of living your life. Um, now, to get back to your original question, um, I, I, I had a, I have a lot of very devout friends. I did a screening in Austin for some heads of different uh, religious sort of affiliations in Austin, and, and with the exception of one who didn't like it at all uh, because he thought it was offensive, which was surprising. Everybody else, one guy said, hey, man, that's wonderful. That makes me want to be a better Christian because of the way, you know, just because of the way of the, the moments of forgiveness and things of that nature. So that made me happy. Uh, Steve, um, hold, hold on, Steve. Who did you say didn't like it? Uh, just one individual that was at the screen. Couldn't get past. thought it was subversive. Oh, um, okay. Which is funny because if tolerance is subversive, that, you know, you know that sort of says it all in terms of sort of a myopic view of how people should be able to think and, Thank you. and behave. Yep. Um, but, but yeah, I'd like, I, I had some wonderful, had some people say, God, I wish that actual faith-based films were made this well and were this clever, because I know it's not faith-based, but it's so well made and so well acted, I wish our side could make movies like this that would be interesting so people would watch them. Well, I'll give you an example. I, I, I thought that was nice. I thought that was a lovely thing. I'll give you an example. Like, when we were, and I'm not going to name the church, but our idea when I, you know, when, when you know, because our two companies just kind of paired up at the beginning of the year and we started talking about how to go out and kind of, wasn't even to, to remarket the film, it was just to, to create a conversation around this film. And one of the ideas was to send it in L.A., there is all these super flashy, awesome-looking churches that people go to. And it's guys in, you know, skinny jeans and long T-shirts and, you know, awesome hair and, you know, even 
the kind of the hipster bunch, which I I'm a little poser hipster myself, so I can <laughs> I can't speak. But <laughs> there's these churches, and my idea was like, okay, if these guys are as open minded and as surrendered as they say that they are. Offering a film up like this to play to their congregation yeah. on a Sunday yep, afternoon exactly. could be an interesting conversation. And if it's me, if I'm the pastor of, you know, Jojo Billy Church in, on uh, on Wilshire Boulevard, sure, bring it on. Yeah, like I want my people to know everything that's out there. Yep. I want them to have. I want them to have a full palette. Yeah. So that they can decide for themselves. But we can. It was crickets when we send it out. Like, hey, do you want to see the film? Like, we, we could screen it for nothing, huh? Crickets. Now, did they get my emails? It says Johnny Wonder on it. I have no idea. They could think of, they could have thought it was like you know Pornhub or something. Yeah, stu- I have yeah, no idea. Yeah, but yeah. we didn't get any response. And for me, as a filmmaker, I'm like, this could be a no brainer. It's a conversation piece. Just play it for you know a couple of churches in L. A. Yeah. And I would imagine that would be an event. Like you know, at least a couple hundred people would show up to. But all on it. So Steve and, and, and Johnny, at the risk of sounding, uh, I don't know, however I'm going to sound, what if there were no boobs? Is that it? Is it as simple as that? Because the, uh, the Jesus crowd has chilled a little bit with the swearing, a little right. bit, right? Um, but, but I mean, come on. You know, there's female body stuff there that was awesome. Yeah, really awesome. <laughs> I, think it's the, I think it's the idea that somebody could be spreading the message but be so irreverent and so... Right, but pe- no, but within the Jesus scene, like, there's a thing called the Wittenberg Door that was published back in the 60s and it was like mad magazines uh mad magazine for the christians okay. it was pure satire and it just took the mickey out of out of their own tribe left mm-hmm. right and center and they took heat big time for this and stepped across you know the boundaries and lines right. da, da, da. so the, the the satirical thing within the within the jesus scene has been there for a while you're right it's still not welcomed or embraced or loved or whatever especially in the united states of america where y'all are from because you guys just take yourself too stinking serious over most things especially when it comes to this stuff yeah Yeah. Yeah. tim and sex i mean you know i bet if you showed this in europe or australia it wouldn't be a big deal with regards to nudity yeah but i think the people there might be a little bit more open to being challenged i couldn't agree more and i think i think when it comes to and i can only speak for america because i'm an an american but the the (laughs) The uh, the Jesus thing is still a very a very hot topic in America, especially when you get down into the South. I'm not from the South, but I'm living I'm from Seattle and live in yeah, LA. Yeah. But the Jesus thing is a big deal to people. And the funny thing is, now a lot of the books that are starting to spin people's heads are taking Jesus and making him into a man that was on the streets just talking to people and said something that pissed people off. Mm-hmm. And they killed him for it. Yeah. And the only person that I've ever read that's from the 50s or the 60s or whatever was Emmett Fox that basically painted him in that picture. Like, this is a normal guy. He was the most human of all human beings. And he was saying some stuff. And this is what he said. This is not what he said over here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I think is really interesting. So when you, so my point is, a film like this that you have to sell and distribute a film like this to the, all parts of the country, mm-hmm. 65% of America, and no. Like you're talking about the one guy we talk about over Sunday dinner. Yeah, yeah. You can't talk about my guy that no, way. No, no. Like, and I think that alienates the film a little. Okay, bit. Okay, I just want to bring Stephen on this conversation again. We're talking about Divine Access. It's a movie that I have resonated with in so many ways, and yet I know, I know. Look, I know what station I'm on. I know that there's going to be people. Well, I already know that there's people. Wow, how do I do this? Use words. <laughs> <laughs> I know that I'm not everyone's cup of tea. I get that. 
but I'm trying to just be as authentic as possible when it comes to the possibility of there being more. Do you understand what I'm saying, Tim? Yeah. You got that? And, and this movie has portrayed so much of my journey that I resonated with it tremendously. And... I I just want to do whatever I can to get this to get the word out about this. But I also know that there's people that still listen, you know, little old old ladies and stuff still listen to my show. You know, George Strombolopoulos's mother listens to my show. Love George, and uh, she's not going to be cool watching this movie. So there's an R-rated thing that has to be a reality there. And dude, just because it rocks my world doesn't mean it needs to. It's going to float your boat. Well, I think they, it's a challenge. Someone said once that art should comfort the disturb and disturb the comfortable. And I think what's going on here is those who are comfortable are being disturbed and they don't like it. Right. I think that is a big part of what your guys are dealing with because it isn't comfortable. It isn't this, you know, Jesus guy, you know, blonde hair, blue eyes, saving everybody, being peaceful all the time and little halo over his head. He was a dude on the street talking to people who a lot of churchgoers would never even talk to. And that makes them... Uh, not like it. Yeah, it's, it's 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 what he represents to everybody. That it's what he represents to people. That is what the is what the hot topic is. Is not that guy represents yeah. something that I grew up with and what my parents told me. And this is right or wrong. He re- basically rep- represents good versus evil. And anything opposed to that, it's not quite that. It's evil. It's well, look, look, there's a there's an element of it that I found that um, if you uh, if you like a good movie and you want to have some fun and the, and the, I, I think it's very sweet. I think it's got some very sad moments. Certainly. Uh, I got some human elements of it, especially with Jack trying to figure out exactly what his place is on the planet. But I think the people that have had a problem with it, and there's not many, but you know, because mainly because not enough people have seen it. I would love to have heard more uh, disparaging comments, but but people that people that seek it out like it. I would love it. I'd love for more people that maybe wouldn't like it that much to 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 watch it because that means it's out there. Hmm. But in reality, uh, since no one. Since they don't play favorites with regard to belief, uh, if you have confidence in your own belief and that your actions are informed by your belief in a way that it makes the world a better place, then you don't care what anybody else believes because you're still focused in on your own path and trying to grow from there. But if you have a little lack of confidence or you're a little bit too myopic, then even though no one is saying anything negative about Christianity or about any religion, but if you're so wound up that if anyone acknowledges that there's anything else that might also be a pathway to some sort of spiritual awakening, then you're going to take a problem with it. But if you're cool and you're open, uh, no one's getting, no one is getting berated here. No. But sometimes open to everything makes a few people say, well, if you're open to everything, that means you don't believe what I believe, which means it's, it's not real and, yeah. and I don't want it. Yeah. And as I've uh, said probably too much uh, on the show and also in some of my public speaking things in the Jesus scene, how is your God suffering from short man disease? Like, what is that? Why are you freaking out on behalf of your God? You think your God is up there biting his nails going, oh, my goodness, there's boobs in this movie, you know, whatever. Uh, or or this happened the first time I had, uh, like I said, the high priest of the Church of Satan on the show. Peter Gilmore has been on the show a couple times and just people losing their minds. And my issue behind the sorry, side bar here, but I I don't want to hear from a Christian who's written a book about Satanism. I want to. It's it's primary source material. I want to hear from the high priest of the Church of Satan uh, about this stuff. <laughs> and so, uh, it, to me, it it really comes down to to the insecurity of those in a tribe 
that that the tribal leaders have not grown up the people. They have not taught the people how to fish. They just keep giving them fish. Yep. Mm-hmm. Well, it's also this weird, uh, and, and oddly enough, a guy in L.A., a pr- pastor, and I just randomly heard this, but it's also this need for us to have kings. Like human mm-hmm. beings need a king. I need something to yep. look up to, yep. something that represents power and fury and all this other stuff that is going to represent my needs and take me into the promised land. Yeah. We desire that it's almost like we do it and I, you know, I do it in every part of my life when I'm watching a movie or if I'm watching a sports game it's constantly like that's my king right now that's my king that's my king that's my king and it never stops and it's like this we're wired to need something to look up to yeah. and I think God and kings get mixed up in, and that's where people get defensive it's like well no how dare you that's the guy that's going to stand up yeah. for me and that's yeah. the guy that's going to make things better for me and really well said and that ties into a phrase that I wrote down a while ago which is the emperor has no clothes and if that doesn't fit the, the that was this, you? sorry that was you seems like an old thing <laughs> no, he said is that, was that your quote oh no no no, no. <laughs> yeah sorry hold on I didn't mean to word it like that I'm so sorry no, no he, put, he put his finger he put his finger though. He I, put was his quoting, I was yeah, air quoting I was air quoting on radio <laughs> Congratulations. Yeah, thanks. Thanks. I'm here. Drew Smart. Yeah. Um, Plagiarism 101. Um, Yeah, but I mean, that's that's the vibe I get out of this whole conversation. You know, we are we're not just we're not just uh, rattling change for the sake of rattling change. And that's what I've been accused of on this show is, oh, you're just a chain rattler. That's your shtick. That your that's your brand or whatever. No, I am screaming loudly that the emperor has no clothes. And my voice goes high. Yes, because it makes you uncomfortable. Uh, you know, it's, it's also important that this film is not a faith-based film. It's a story. It's about people. And, and it's set in a, in a, in a in that topic is taken care of, and it's, it permeates the entire story. But because I'm not taking sides and none of the characters are taking sides, it isn't about that. It's about humanity. But it's in the, this is the backdrop. This is a, a sort of a human backdrop that, that, that propels the story. But anyone that would take offense to this certainly doesn't understand that my motivation is not to do anything but just to see how people deal with uh, how, how comically and how intellectually we can deal with some deep issues and see how the people end up on the back end. Because I think you guys saw it. Uh, arguably, everybody is in a in a different, a significantly different place at the end of the film than they are at the beginning. Uh, some good, some bad, some indifferent. No, not indifferent. That would counteract, counteract what I just said. But, yeah. but uh, everyone's in a pretty significantly different place based on their interaction, based on the topics that they're dealing with in their lives. Okay, we are chatting with Stephen Chester Prince, otherwise known as Steve. Uh, he is a director, writer, producer of this movie, Divine Access. The website is divineaccessmovie.com. And uh, Johnny Wonder is in the studio, W-U-N-D-E-R. For some reason, I feel like I need to spell your name to give you more street cred. I, mean, I don't you gotta do. I don't understand why I have to do that. <laughs> uh, partner and producer, traveling picture show. Why, why is there BG in there? Is that, I hope that didn't show up on our website either. There's some random letters. And coalition. Now, you guys have kind of there, amalgamated have, or something? We don't have a name yet. Like we... You're so new, you don't even have a name. We're so new. We've been we started the what was that in January, Steve? When we started working yeah. together, so it's basically two companies coming together. I think we're gonna. Steve and I want to call it hyperbole film. So if people ask you like, why do you call it hyperbole? And because it's the greatest TV is the greatest film company of all time. It's like, <laughs> Got it. <laughs> Got it. Uh-huh. We're not there yet. No. Uh, <laughs> that's awesome. But yeah, so that's so Steve and I and Louisa and Kevin and Carissa are all partners in a really Chris, fun and Chris and Kate and Chris and Kate Bay. yeah so we have a pretty big company but we're having a good time <laughs> okay yeah. good good um Steve 
What's next? Don't you love that interview question? What's next, Steve? Oh, wait, 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 I have an idea. Hold on. No, I have an idea. Can I, can I pitch you something? Sure. No. <laughs> I, I can take Steve out of the mix. It's not a problem. <laughs> wow. Steve just ran my show there. No, I can call up uh, Kirk Cameron and we could do... No. Bananas. <laughs> I, I think that would be a compelling conversation. Speaking of movies that should have been left behind. Oh! Um, <laughs> what's next, Steve? Well, you know, the stuff that Johnny and I are doing and the rest of our crew, we got a lot, we have quite a bit of of uh, material we're trying to do, a lot of television, a lot of film. These, uh, there's a, uh, I'd like to direct again. You know, my day, I'm fortunate that my day job is still in the industry, running the company and uh, with my partners, and, and, and I love it. And we've got uh, some really interesting stories, and Johnny's a big part of that. Johnny and Louisa, some of the material they've brought into the company. So plenty to do. But I would, I would hope that in the next uh, couple of years, I'll, I'll be inspired to do something else like this, something where I can tell something I really, I care about everything, but this is something obviously was close, close to me. I just don't know what that is yet. And because I have other opportunities, I'm not sort of forced to, to move before I'm inspired. And I, I, to be honest with you, I'm not talented enough to move before I'm inspired, like real writers. So I have to wait for something to really, really, really resonate with me, and then I'll sink my teeth into it. But I look forward to telling another story, another sort of adult-themed story about life and people and damaged folks and something that, that, that speaks to me. I like it. I like it. A guy uh, who wrote a book called Messy Spirituality, the quote that it was sort of the byline of our I show that, that you know, you've I've heard of read it. I know what it is, though. Yeah, Mike Iaconelli is his name. And uh, and, the, and the, it used to be the byline or the tagline for our show was uh, Messy Spirituality is the Christianity most of us live, but few of us admit. So I think, again, we're talking about this this deep authenticity when it comes to the other, when it comes to the possibility of something greater. You know, so um, and Johnny, uh, aside from uh, getting the paperwork uh, to live here properly, um, what's I mean, so same, same, same answer. I don't you direct, can't say ditto. Well, I don't direct movies. I mean, for us, uh, you know, oddly enough, a lot of the stuff that we develop is is horror, supernatural. That's kind of where I uh, should have had you on our s- Halloween special next week. Uh, that's my specialty. So we uh, have a really interesting uh Film that we're putting together about uh, House in Los Feliz that's extremely haunted and infamous, and uh, we're just you know constantly kind of chasing after that next supernatural story. That's what I kind of gets me off in a weird nice, way. So. Nice, nice. Can I suggest you go film at the family business, Marshall Funeral Home? Uh, you t- we talked about that. I was actually going to talk to you about that after the show. <laughs> and uh, no, we're actually one of the things that I really want to do uh, once I am not an illegal alien. I'm basically uh, <laughs> announcing myself to the country. Yeah. Um, one of the things I'm really passionate in. in is is really digging my heels into Canadian film. There's a lot of really awesome filmmakers here, a lot of very talented people. And each brother. Um, I was baffled by the amount of talented people when I got here. Um, because you had a low bar when you. Well, no, I knew I knew it was a working town. I knew it was a very very busy town, but I knew that it was a it was a. You guys are. Um, Americans develop, and we have all the flash and this and that. And we pass it up here, and you guys actually make our movies in a very very efficient, beautiful amazing way and what i found was he's, he's a drama teacher so you're giving well no but it, it's the truth i mean i'm i i'm inspired by the canadian film market i think there's some really talented filmmakers here um and i think being an american in this market now and and sort of you know kicking the tires a little bit um i would love to make movies with you people there's some really cool stuff up here and some really cool filmmakers up here and a lot of cool content and stories supernatural in nature to be told there's some scary shit yes, yes. in this <laughs> Yes. In this province, yes. and um, 
I just love it. I think there's such a buzz here, and I think it just needs a little bit of the American obnoxiousness to make it really pop. But if we, I'm that obnoxious need, guy, we need your obnoxiousness. We really do. I, 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 I'm excited. I, I brought, there's a studio in Vancouver called Braun Studios, which is really doing it. They're okay. really making some waves in Vancouver, and, and I'm excited to see if there's something to be done over here in Toronto on the side of that. Yeah. Excellent. So we'll Very see. cool. Yeah. Very cool. Well, look, it has been a real treat to have you guys on. It's nice to talk about the industry. It's talk about the sort of the ir- irreverent um, intentionality is kind of what my show is about. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what this movie is about. Also, irreverent intentionality. Divine. Sorry, can I just put more words on your movie, Steve? There? Uh, Divine Access. So far, so good. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, Stephen Chester Prince. Director, writer, producer, and of course Johnny Wonder here, uh, partnering with this whole uh, conglomeration of awesomeness, whatever that means. DivineAccessMovie.com. Uh, don't go there if you're faint of heart or if you're a homeschooled Baptist, because you'll freak <laughs> out. Anyway, uh, Tim, thanks for helping us today, buddy. Oh, I always love being here, Drew Marshall. And, and Stephen, we'll uh, talk to you again, I hope, in the future. Thanks for hooking us up with uh, that actor guy. What's his name? Billy Burke. Billy Burke. Billy Burke's great. All the girls in the room are like, oh, Oh, Billy, my goodness, Billy, Steve. Oh. It was just ridiculous. Oh, Billy, 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 Billy. Steven, are you there, buddy? I'm here. I was just waiting for the fawning over Burke to end. <laughs> <laughs> it is endeth. Uh, anyway, I appreciate your time, man, and I look forward to, to meeting you face-to-face one of these days. I'll be up there. I'll be up in Toronto. I'll go there every chance I get. But thanks. It was, it was fun. I appreciate it, and I appreciate the support of the film. You got it, man. Take care, Steve. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.